Well, um, as has been alluded to already, um, we are doing uh, the next one in our disciple-making community series, uh, which uh, disciple-making community is our vision statement, and uh, this is the seventh one. We're looking at ten different values, cultural values, if you like, um, of what we feel God has called us to be and to build um, as a church. And uh, as Lindsay's alluded to, um, we're talking this morning about uh, Jesus' most talked about topic, actually, in the, in the area of money, of finance, and um, the value, which you can find on the website, Uh, reads like this. Everything we have is a gift from God. Amen to that. Giving our money generously is a recognition that we've received true riches from heaven as well as providing resources for God's mission on earth. Now, many of you will know that um, uh, my wife's called Emma, and we have a, a little girl called Lizzie, who's going to be two in January. And uh, recently, we have been trying to teach Lizzie about where it is that we live. Now, we were full of confidence because she's able to tell us that some of our friends live in Manchester, and uh, uh, that her grandma and grandpa live in Stoke, which is where I'm from. And so we were anticipating a great answer when we asked her, Lizzie, where do we live? What did she say? Grace Church. Feels like that sometimes. <laughs> but one of the other things that we're finding at the moment is that Lizzie will often be playing with a toy where um, there's something maybe just slightly broken or maybe a lid that needs uh, coming off. Um, that if I was to go and to sort of correct it for her, help her, show her um, how to use it, she could enjoy it all the more. And so as I approach her and say, Oh, Lizzie, you just need to take the top off. Do you want to pass it here? So often her reaction is, No, mine. No, mine. And you know, if you're anything like me, you can be a little bit like that with money as well. I find that in myself, almost for fear of losing it. Just like in Lizzie's case, it's a fear I'm going to lose this toy. It's just in in her nature. It's why she needs the gospel. But this is in my nature. It's why I need the gospel. Our culture finds it really hard to talk about money, doesn't it? You know, a a 2014 survey um, found that money is easily the biggest topic, uh, the biggest, the most challenging topic for couples to talk about before they're married, and the biggest area of conflict once they are. I'm sure there's many in the room this morning who are processing financial worries, have all sorts of financial challenges lying ahead, and the joy of talking about Christmas can even be matched with a. I don't quite know how I'm going to get through that. I don't know what state it's going to leave me in financially. And there's this uncomfortable feeling that that we all know that how we spend our money says so much about us, doesn't it? Money stories in the press are often integrity stories. So you think the the expenses scandal amongst the politicians a few years back is struck at the heart of integrity. Or even on an organizational level, you think something like the gender pay gap It's about organizational integrity. And this morning, I I, I specifically want to talk about the Bible's encouragement to us to sacrificially give a proportion of our money to God through the local church. And that's what we call giving. And yeah, to to build the church, you know, that's how we fund our social justice ministries, and it's how we do our outreach to kids and youth and families. It's how we run things like Alpha. But more than that, because I would say the story of my wife Emma and I is that there is tremendous joy and character transformation 
an opportunity to grow in our faith as we have grown in the grace of giving. That is, as our hearts have been stirred to be more and more generous. And so it it comes down to this. If you would call yourself a Christian this morning, I want to encourage you to engage with this opportunity to grow in your faith. If you wouldn't identify yourself as a Christian, you may well be asking, well, why would you do that? Why would you give a proportion of your money away? Maybe you identify that the society, your society, our society, talks about money differently from the Bible. Well, I want to encourage you to, to see what is happening here. That we only talk about this very thing of giving because Jesus gave himself for us. That's the basis of all of this. That as he died on the cross and was raised again to life, his death and resurrection dealt with all the things that we had done wrong. It wiped our slate clean and it restored our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're new people. We're changed because of it. And that's why we want to give. It's a joyful and worshipful response to all that we have received. I want you to ask yourself about what that says about the way that Jesus changes people's lives. So let's go into the Bible then. Uh, We're in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 12. If you're new to the Bible, this is an account of Jesus' life, written by a guy called John Mark, who was best mates with a guy called Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest followers. So plenty of eyewitness material uh, in here. And it's going to come up on the screen if you've not got it in front of you. It says this. And he, that's Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I want you to picture the scene. The story takes place in a bustling Jewish temple. Looks a little bit like this, coming up on on the screen now. And if you can see, the sort of center point of the picture there is a a, a courtyard in the shape of a cross. That's called the Court of the Women. That's where our story takes place. And just to the left of that, can you see some kind of semicircle-shaped steps uh, just to the left there? That Next next to those was what was called the treasury, the the financial quarter, um, if you like. And and what this woman would have found as, as she came to this point is 13 different receptacles, 13 different offering boxes, if you like. That, that they, they would be made from ram's horns, and you would place your offering into one of those according to how you wanted to worship God. So it's a little bit like, you know when you pay for your shopping at the supermarket and you get one of those green coins, and you're faced with that big, big box of three charities that you've probably never heard of, and you sort of read their descriptions, and you kind of put your, put your coin in one of them according to how you want to give. A little bit like that. Maybe, hopefully, a little bit more informed, but a bit like that. And Jesus was sat opposite it. And as he watched, along came this poor widow, as the Bible describes. Now, we don't know an awful lot about her. We don't know her age. We don't know her circumstances. We don't know how it was that she came to be a widow. All we know was that she was poor. 
She was a widow, and Jesus knew it. You know, Jesus knows your circumstances too. The things that are on your mind as your head hits the pillow at the end of the night. The worries that you have. The questions that you carry. I don't know how I'm going to get through on this. The challenges you face. He knows it all. And he is passionate about you. He wants to help you. He wants to speak right into the midst of the most difficult areas of your life. Because he loves you. Because he's for you. And because he has the power to do it. Now, life was tough for widows. In a society where it's very rare for women to work, the husbands were were the breadwinners, and so those that lost them were in a very vulnerable position, particularly because the inheritance that the husband left behind often passed to the firstborn son. And, And it's in this context that this poor widow came into this bustling temple, And into the offering box, she put, as the text describes it, two small copper coins which make a penny. That's verse 42. Now, the the coinage can get lost in translation a little bit. But essentially, if you look at the bottom of your Bible, there's a footnote that explains it for you that says that what she put in was the equivalent of one sixty-fourth of a typical wage for a laborer. So in our terms, if you take an eight-hour day and you take the real living wage of nine pounds an hour, that's 72 pounds. So a 64th of that is a bit over a quid. So each coin is about 50p. This poor widow, in all her financial hardship, came and into the offering put two 50ps. And it literally called forth the word of God. Jesus was delighted. And calling his disciples to him, he said, truly I say to you, which is is Jesus' phrase for, I'm about to say something life-changing. You guys have got to listen up. He said, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. He radically redefines the scale of giving. You see, Jesus shows here that our giving to him and his church is not about the sum of our gift. It's not about the specifics of what it can pay for. But it's wholly and utterly about having a generous heart. It's about sacrifice, not size. One of the commentators puts it like this. The quote will come up on the screen. For Jesus, the value of a gift is not the amount given, but the cost to the giver. A friend of mine recently was um, going through some, uh, a difficult financial time. And, and yet, as she prayed about it and sought God in it, she just felt that actually her mind was so taken up with this, this whole, in this whole area of finance. She felt like almost kind of in chains in her finances. She wanted to break out of it. And so she gave to God more than she can afford. Not, not a lot, not a large sum, but more than she could afford. And what did God do? The day after, gave her a job. You see, God honors the heart. I, I've been trying to ask myself recently the question of, where is the sacrifice in my giving? Where is the cost that I can identify in my giving? 
Because it's kind of the point. You say, well, why? Why is Jesus more interested in sacrifice than in size? It's because he wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. And he knows that they are so tied up with how we spend our money. Another friend of mine would um, articulate his giving story as I, I, I began to, to learn to give. And as I did, I realized that I was so racked with materialism that I just had to press on through. And I wanted to grow in the grace of giving so that the materialism that I felt just fell to the ground. Similarly, in, in this gospel account, just a couple of chapters earlier, Jesus meets a, a rich young man who comes to him and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, oh, you, you obey the commandments. And you don't, you don't murder, you don't commit adultery, you don't steal some others. He said, Jesus, I've been doing all of these all my life. He says, Jesus loved him. And knowing that this would call his heart out, said to him, then go sell all you have and give to the poor. In other words, follow me wholeheartedly. And the text says that he went away disheartened. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. His heart could not bear it. <coughs> Jesus says elsewhere, Matthew chapter 6, that where your treasure is, your heart is also. That is, that there is an unbreakable link between this and between this. Where our treasure is, our heart is. Just think about that for a minute. If you were to get out your monthly budget or a copy of your bank statement, I wonder what it would say that your heart hopes in. Because for this widow, the answer is unquestionably Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I find that such a challenge amidst mortgage and utilities and life and family. But I want every part of my life to point to Jesus. I feel like in Jesus I have found a love greater than life itself. He's sought me out. He's changed me. He's rescued me. I was the wayward son and he's brought me home. I'm changed and I want to live out of gratitude to him. You see, the point of this story is not that we should just give all our money away. It's not. You know, when you read at a surface level, it can appear like that initially. I had a friend who was at a, a conference where they, they took up an offering and uh, gave into this offering in a way that was more than she could afford. Now, fortunately or supernaturally, the money never got taken. And she felt God speak to her, saying, you need this. You need to pay your bills. You need to live. The point isn't that we should just give all our money away. But it is that we should give increasingly generously because to do so at God's prompting is to ensure a generous heart that follows. Because Jesus wants your heart. The great cosmic surgeon wants to work in you, to mold you, to shape you and to make you more like himself. He wants your heart because, as it says in Proverbs 4, everything you do flows from it, flows from your heart. 
He wants your heart because as the Bible says, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. How many here can identify that? Sometimes we live with a mentality that says, Jesus, thank you for my salvation. Right, I'm safe for heaven now, so I'm just going to get on with it. Or, or if not quite that, then the things you think about being external to yourself. You know, I'll, I'll just spread God's name. I'll, I'll serve the poor. But as, was, as Tim was, was um, speaking to us about last week, the Bible says that the Christian life is about an increasing conformity to the likeness of Jesus. Because as you become more like him, you bring great glory to him. You build your eternal capacity to appreciate him. And you build your eternal reward of enjoying him. We don't tend to think much about eternal rewards or heaven or us being prepared for the next life, do we? I preached on it about a year ago, actually. It's on the website. You can have a listen. It's part of the Our Father series. And the conclusion of that message is the same here, that when you consider eternity, and we know that this life is ultimately preparation for the next, boy, does it change your attitude to money. Giving is a key part of the journey because we sow into the life to come. You see, Jesus wants our hearts because he wants to prepare us for eternity. And he's given us money as a tool for our hearts to be conformed more and more to the heart of God. My story would be that the biggest change in my heart has come as I've taken significant steps in spiritual disciplines like giving. I, I can't get away from that. It, it just is. That's just what I've noticed. And yet I find that each step is a battle. You'd think it would get easier. It gets harder with giving. Emma and I find that giving is the issue that needs the most discussion in our marriage. It's the thing that I feel like if, if I'm to make progress in it, it needs the most prayer. It's the thing where I, I feel like I have to fight the materialism that's around me because I'm aware enough to know that living in a society that's racked with it has not left me unaffected. Every time we, we move up a percentage, it feels like the crustiness of my heart breaks and fresh growth comes. And so how I do it is that we have a look at our budget, we identify the percentage, and then I pray to the next percentage. So we're here, and say, God, would you move us to here? It's got to come before him, first and foremost. And we ask him for the grace to get us to that percentage. Other times we look for kind of free hits, if you like. So I, um, I had a, uh, um, a birthday. I was going to say I have one every year. There you go. I had a birthday. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could ask my friends and family, this year, would you help my heart to grow to become more like Jesus? Would you help my eternal perspective? Would you give a gift to Grace Church rather than something for me? I thought, wouldn't it be fun? And do you know what? Some of them totally ignored it. And I'm still thankful. It was still a lovely gesture. But some of them went for it. 
And my heart got so much joy because I feel my priorities got set right. I do want to become more like Jesus. You know, there's times for Emma and I as well where our giving has had to decrease, change in life circumstances. When our daughter Lizzie was born, Emma stopped working. Some of you will be in the same place. And it's important to recognize that. That's okay. Because this is not a funding campaign. This is about Christ-like character. About becoming more like Jesus. Maybe you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian. Well, Jesus wants your heart too. He doesn't need your money. But he's unwaveringly passionate about you. He's given himself for you on the cross. And his offer is for you to come to him and give him your heart from which your whole life flows. I heard a really great story this week. And uh, the lady that told me is here to share it with us. So can we give Barbara a warm round of applause as she comes to speak to us? Hello, everyone. I'm here to share my own testimony with everyone, and I hope you all get blessed. Amen. I used to tithe in my previous church, but never understood what the funds were being used for. And due to some other things which got me more confused and discouraged me from giving or from continuing, I decided to put an end to it. Being part of the Grace Church has changed my way of thinking when it comes to giving. I wanted to give, but was worried because my husband was out of employment and I was the only breadwinner of the family. As human as I am, the thought of going in debt made me forget the God that I serve, the God of possibilities, the God who provides all our needs. I was in doubt of God's ability. I would often say that I wish I was wealthy enough so I could support in building God's kingdom. Until a few months ago, when I decided to go before the Lord and entered into a 21 days of fasting and prayers, that is when my eyes got opened. One fateful afternoon while reading the Bible, I came across the story of the poor widow who gave all she had in the book of Mark 12, 41 to 44. This gave me such a relief and joy, and that was my moment of breakthrough. From that moment, I decided that I was going to give in support to the building of God's kingdom, no matter how little I earn. It's the heart behind that God seeks and not how much we give. The funny part of all this is that giving wasn't even the reason why I went before the Lord during that 21 days of fasting, but he turned it all around for his purpose. So I guess it was God's will and perfect timing. I must also say that God has been faithful and has been supplying our needs even when my husband was out of employment. And this is a testimony that we are serving a God who meets all our needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. 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 Well done. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, so where, where should we start then? Some of you might have uh, heard it said uh, before that um, 10% of our, our gross income is a good New Testament starting point. 
And um, just to be honest with you, I spent the last few weeks thinking that there's no biblical justification for that whatsoever. Um, and yet, I think it is what the Bible teaches. Just from looking into it, just from praying, just from seeking, searching the scriptures, I'm, I'm convinced that, that the 10% figure that, um, that, that used to be given under the, the old covenant, the old law, if you like, before Jesus was around, was, um, was before Jesus was on earth, is, is now written on our hearts in, in a way that allows us to go further. It's, it's not scrapped, it's superseded. It's fulfilled. It, it, it becomes the baseline as, as the new covenant, the, the superior grace of Jesus enables us to go further. And although our, our standing before God is, is in no way based on how much we give, it's based on Jesus' finished work. His finished work frees and inspires us to live in the greater law of love and devotion that Christ has won for us. So that's the case, for instance, with the five elders that, that lead this church. Um, I, I asked them, we had a discussion at it, at our last elders meeting, they each give over 10% of gross income into the, the life of the church. And we give gross because we want God to have the first fruits. Uh, that is that we, we, God gets it first. It establishes uh, the, the priority of him uh, in our lives. And we give to the church because that's how the Bible describes it. God's plan A for the world. And you know, there's, there's some health in, in just giving to God without us deciding what it gets invested in. It's given as part of our worship in response to, in response to God's incredible kindness to us. And the experience of all of us is that as we give, God strengthens our faith and our trust in his provision. But the question is ultimately not about percentages. The question is about what is the state of your heart? The percentages are a helpful indicator, but the Bible says that whereas man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. A couple of months ago, I went for a... Um, uh, a walk in the peaks with uh, Ben, who uh, leads the church here. And one of the things that we, was on our agenda to chat through was how can we um, help the church to grow in the grace of giving? Coming from a conviction that this is a key part of our discipleship and a, a joyful, important part of our worship. And so we wanted to start with, with the two of us and see how could we help each other. So we thought we'll lay all the figures bare before each other. Amounts, percentages, sums, circumstances behind them. And do you know the conclusion that we came to? Well, it's helpful to chat amounts and percentages. I'd never had a conversation like that with anyone but my wife before. But ultimately, it all comes down to our hearts. That was our conclusion. And the joy of that chat was us both being able to articulate that we want to continue to grow in the grace of giving because our hearts yearn for an increased generosity that echoes the heart of God. Do you know that our giving is a witness to the world around us? Just hearing a story from our, our Alpha course recently about uh, someone who was asking about how this building um, came, came to be Grace Churches. And if, if you don't know, we had an offering, God did some miraculous things, and, and here we are. But as she heard that people gave into the offering, her response was, wow, Jesus really must make a difference 
in people's lives. It's a witness because when we give, we shine forth Jesus. That's why Jesus made this widow an example. Because what I find amazing is that she gave two coins. She could have kept one of them. But she wanted God to have her whole heart. She wanted her worship to affect every part of her life. And do you know what the irony is? She came with a generous heart. She came worshiping with her whole life. And then right in front of Jesus, she acted out the very thing that he was about to do. She gave it all. You know, when Jesus says right at the end, she's put in everything she had, all she had to live on, you can paraphrase the, the Greek of that to say, she laid down her whole life. Just as Jesus would go on to do. And if we forget this, when we think about giving, it can just become legalistic and driven and heavy. And yet our hope, our ability to press through that no mine attitude, our ability to deal with the worry and still trust God, our, our hope in dealing with the focus on the age of the, uh, of the society around us, on material things and the things of this world, which in my experience for me is so intertwined with a self-centered attitude. My hope, our hope, is in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's in the gospel. Our hope of growing in the grace of giving is not in deciding to get giving sorted. It's not in a sermon. It's not in reading a book. It's in the fact that Jesus has already given us a new heart, a fleshly heart, a heart that can respond to God's changing of us, a heart that has the very desires of God written on it, the law of God written on it, a heart empowered by the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. You know, this widow, she lived like a steward who knew that money was a tool, a tool to use to become more like the God she served. You see, when it comes to money, God owns everything we have anyway. We are but asset managers of his resources. And some of it, he calls us to sow into the work of his kingdom through the local church with increasing generosity. And some of it, he calls us to steward in a godly way to, to love our families, to take responsibility for ourselves, to rest, to be hospitable, to live. But all of it, he calls us to submit to him. So what do we do this, with this then? Let's finish practically. Well, the reality is that we all have a choice as to how we want to take this. You can be like the rich young man, if you want, who, who went away sad because he had great possessions. Or, by the work of the Holy Spirit, you can decide that you want to become more like Jesus. I'd encourage all of us to seek God in this area, to keep our giving under constant review. Get your budget out. Get your bank statement out. See what it says about your heart's priorities. 
You know, we've got to get better at talking to each other about these sorts of things. We're not very good. We kind of privatize it off. And you might not want to kind of reveal all the facts and figures. That's okay. But you might have a story. You might have questions. You might have struggles that you can pray through with someone else. We've got a fantastic course starting up in January, actually, called Freedom in Finance, which is just at three Wednesday evenings that helps every one of us to become good stewards of our money. And, and, and we, we discuss what the Bible teaches about money and how we can put in place good principles to have a healthy relationship with our finances. You could go on that. It's not for a specific type of person. That's for all of us, whatever our circumstances or age or life stage. You can sign up for that on our website. But I want to leave us all with something really practical that we can all engage in. Totally opt-in. This is completely up to you. But I want to issue all of us with a three-month giving challenge just to see what God does. And that is that if you would call Grace Church your home, because that's key, if you're part of another church, it's about giving into there. If you wouldn't say that you're a Christian, there's a more important issue at stake for you. That is, who do you think Jesus Christ is? But if you're a Christian and you call here home, and you don't give at all into the work of the church, my encouragement challenge to you would be sometime in the next three months, just give something. Just start your journey. And then if you're someone who, who gives from time to time, then why not try giving monthly? Why not in each of the three months that are coming, try giving something in each one of those three months. Set up a standing order if you have to. And if come three months is too much, that's fine. Draw back. If you give monthly, but you don't give 10% of your income, why don't you ask God for the grace to do that and see what he says to you? And if you do give 10% of your income, why not pray into the next percentage? Just see what he says. And if in all of this, at the end of three months, actually we can't manage that, or well, we've only been doing it for three months. But this is the one area where the Bible says that we can test God in this area. And actually, if for all of this, you go away, you have your chats, you seek God, and you say, I just can't move on from where I am, that's fine. Your standing in Jesus is not based on how much you give. It's based on his finished work. But I want to encourage us to, to journey this together as a church. Let's express our worship to Jesus, who gave so much for us. And let's have our hearts changed to become more like him, ready for eternity, as we do.